Welcome to episode 17 of the Great Canadian Hockey Podcast. On behalf of myself, James Parisi, and my co-host Aiden Sarah, I'm uh I'm feeling pretty damn good today. I uh I I'll talk a little bit more after we see how you're doing because what kind of friend would I be if I just talked about myself only? Uh I mean I I, I do that sometimes, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. How you doing, Aiden? What's new with you? I'm good. So we're recording this on a Thursday. It'll probably be like a Saturday, Sunday release. Um uh game one of my team's first round is tomorrow. So it's been like a like I've got four games in six days coming up, but it, it still feels like it almost kind of feels like the worst is behind me as far as feeling stretched. Like all the preparations are done. Now I just get to like do the part of the job I really like, which is nice. So I'm recording this on a Thursday, feeling a lot less tense than if me and James were going going on a Tuesday, Wednesday this week. So yeah, feel relaxed, man. Feel relaxed. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I I can echo that. I'm feeling pretty relaxed too. You know, I it's one of my only days off. I get Thursday and Friday off every week. And one of my favorite things to do once a month is uh, I I live like corner of Burnaby, East Van type thing. I drive over to North Vancouver, go see my barber, get a haircut. And uh, and I stop at my favorite brunch place, Deuce Diner, just off Marine Drive, get the best eggs Benny I've ever had. My absolute favorite. They just do such a killer job of it. Had a couple of my friends visit me, uh, stop by and visit me for brunch there, meet up. I got to show them an Eggs Benny. And showing someone a great restaurant is like showing someone a great song. Once you see how much they love it, you feel that validation of, oh, yes, I put you onto this. This is awesome. You know what? Like personal, it's personal, obviously. For me, it's a, it's a movie thing. And maybe it's just because I'm yep. a big movie guy. Yep. Um. I think my music taste, if I'm get, like my music taste, I call like it's not it's I don't You're have a very niche. Am I niche? I was gonna say I have like a, it's my music taste. You're either gonna like it or you're not, right? Like you're not just gonna be like you know I'm gonna know if you're gonna like the songs I'm gonna recommend, right? So I'm never recommending something to somebody thinking that they might not like it. Like I I know I know somebody's gonna like something I show them, but movies is completely hit or miss, right? Because it's super. Mm-hmm. as personal preference like i've shown some of my favorite movies in the world to some of the, some of his friends and they've hated it right <laughs> or i've i've you know I've, I've shown movies to my buddies and they've loved it and and so for me it's a movies thing because that's that, that's more like the that's more like oh are they gonna like it and then obviously it's it's happy when they do you know speaking of movies this this uh brings up a very uh kind of funny topic uh so far the last few weeks every thursday because uh, I like I said, I have Thursdays off. I go over to my buddy's place. We order a pizza and we watch one of the Transformers movies. <laughs> and we've been watching them in sequence. And dude, those movies are quote machines. Peter Cullen, the voice of Optimus Prime, that guy is unreal. And like at, at, at the end of number two, he kills the fallen guy who's like trying to blow up Earth and take its sun, basically. And uh, and and the guy's name is the Fallen, and he puts his like sword through his chest, and rips his head out, and he says, "I rise, you fall," <laughs> and it's just like, oh. And I was such like a Lincoln Park fan growing up as a kid, and so like you hear the Lincoln Park song play at the end, it's like this is a message to any Autobots hi- hiding among the stars: we are here. It's so good. 
but I'm kind of I'm kind of bummed out because tonight because it's Thursday uh I'm gonna go over to his place and we've already made it through all of the Shia LaBeouf ones so now I have to go to the Mark Wahlberg one that's like just fighting to keep the franchise alive and the story is garbage and so I'm kind of bummed about that but you know, it's uh, it's just funny going back and watching movies like that because you notice some really like out of pocket stuff in a kid's movie. Like, yeah. I was watching that movie as a kid, and dude, that Sector Seven agent guy should have caught a charge and ended up in prison for the things he was saying to teenage Megan Fox in that movie. That was that was messed up. But you know, it was uh, as a kid, you never notice it. You're like, oh, he's no way. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it just goes right over your head. Like, yeah, uh, I, it's like if you go back and watch SpongeBob as an adult, there's stuff hiding in there that you uh, you had no idea, man. Well, even just I, I like SpongeBob because some of the sarcastic humor still hits, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's quality stuff. Well, yeah. uh, well, what do you say? Should we get to some hockey? Yeah, you know what's funny? Just, you know, another random thing, just the way you said hockey. I have every American player on my team says it like that. I've got a kid from Connecticut, and he – Really? Yeah, Greenwich, and he's – yeah. You're watching Bulldogs hockey every time. It's funny. Some Bulldogs hockey. Yeah. And does he say dags, not dogs? I don't know if I've ever noticed that. Okay, well, listen for it. Listen for it. Maybe yeah. say it back to him like that, too. I don't think so. I would have noticed that. Well – First on our list, we've got an interesting one. Uh, you know, you think maybe Vegas and Seattle coming to the league in the last however many years. You think maybe we'll stop hearing expansion, teams moving, but the Coyotes exist and big markets exist. And uh, as we've covered before, the NHL is a business and uh, business is there to make some money. Uh, what do you think about these Atlanta-Houston rumors? And for our listeners who don't know what's going on, Maybe do you want to explain it a bit before I pop in? Yeah, I mean it's 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 pretty simple. <laughs> the NHL has wanted to expand a lot in the last few years, and you know Vegas and Seattle are two recent expansion teams. You've got um, Houston, which is the biggest city in North America, or I guess the biggest city in Canada and the states to not have an NHL team currently. So that, that that's kind of made sense for a while. Uh, sports fans in Texas are are passionate. The Dallas Stars do pretty well. Um, they've been pretty. They've been a pretty solid team for a while. So I'm interested to see how Dallas would do if that you know if they were the 32nd place team in the league. Um, and then Atlanta's the other one that uh, the the rumors of, of a team going back to Atlanta for a third time have been circling around, and it's an interesting one, James. And and obviously my first vote is Quebec right <laughs> like it's it has to be um you know like you moved a team out of Winnipeg and now you know they moved the Thrashers back to Winnipeg in 2011 and you know could you imagine Winnipeg not having a team now right no of course you couldn't so you know I, I think I think it would be a similarly uh effective effective move to to go back to Quebec City um you, you know you know that it's a it's an established market that's hockey crazy uh, the fact that the province of Quebec, for how many people there are and how big it is, only has one team, is still a little bit mind blowing. Um, yeah, the Atlanta thing's weird, man. I don't know what to make it. It's like you know, if at first you don't succeed, try again, I guess. But at some point, it's kind of just. Well, <laughs> are, are, are we seriously? Yeah, I was going to say, are we are, are we going to give him a third strike? Because so. 
Yeah, I uh, just one note on the Atlanta thing. I loved the Thrashers. I don't care that they were bad. I thought they had some of the coolest logo, color schemes, everything like that. Like their their jerseys and logo before they went to the light blue, like uh, when Kovalchuk came into the league, I thought those were some of the sickest jerseys. That color scheme was money. I absolutely love that. My most desired jersey in the world is an autographed framed Kovalchuk Thrashers jersey. Like I want that more than anything. I was such a Kovalchuk fanboy. If anyone ever wants me to put on sports highlights at 3.30 in the morning, uh, my go-to is the one specific Kovalchuk video. It's just all of the cleanest wrist shots, and it's like a, uh, it, it's like just some rap remix to it, and it's just, and that, that's my favorite video. I'll share it to you sometime. Actually, no, I'll save that for when I visit you, because that'll, that could be one of our we videos watch we watch it, when we man. get home. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... Uh, I would personally love to see it again because uh, I think I think the league and hockey in general are in a different place right now. And also the fact that TNT is based in Atlanta. I think there's some uh, some stuff to go there. I think that, I don't know, I think there's a lot of money to be made there and a lot of business experimenting to be done. I am as far from a business major as it gets. But, uh, you know, population-wise... I don't care if they're not all that interested in hockey. It feels doable. Flights through flights through and around the states are pretty cheap if you're already in the south. It feels like something that's doable. Um I I would rather see Houston than Atlanta though because I think that in-state rivalry with the Stars, I think that's awesome. Uh the Stars have dedicated passionate fans even though that you know how many people have you met that are Stars fans? I think I've met one. Um maybe and that's like a casual fan um i think uh i think it's something that could work though i think it's uh texas is a pretty sports mad state and i think you just throw something else into that mix i think it's uh i think it's a pretty big money move especially because if you look at like culture in houston uh there's uh there's a lot of fashion stuff going on around there and hockey jerseys are starting to become fashionable around like influencers and athletes and other sports so I think it's the kind of thing where like people would kind of latch on. They would see like a uh, basketball player, football player wearing uh, a Houston whatever's jersey, uh, like hockey jersey going into their rink, into their arena, in their stadium. And uh, and I think they'd latch on like wildfire. I think Houston is definitely a better play. Um, Quebec City, we could talk about that all day. It's something we'd all love to see, especially being Canadians. But um, I think to fans in the States, they could care less and you know there's just there's just more of a market more money to be made there the higher population more people to buy tickets more junior programs stuff like that to be able to to uh you know spread roots there's already roots in quebec um you know like if you look at bettman's model over his time as commissioner it's spread roots further and you know we already have roots here screw these ones whatever they're the soil's fine here Let, let's uh let's grow something somewhere else so i think uh i honestly don't think hockey will ever come back to quebec city as long as bettman's in charge who knows what his successor would be like i just don't really think it's gonna happen to be honest uh but i'd love to see it don't get me wrong uh another round in nordiques or something else that'd be uh that'd be pretty sick but yeah, I think uh, I think Houston's the best option above and far and above everything else.
Yeah, I think it would take a it would take a very motivated owner, right? Like the, it was the True North Sports and Entertainment Group that got the Jets to Winnipeg, and I, I don't think it happens without them. It's not just something that Batman would have been looking for. So I think, you know, I I think that's going to be what it takes for Quebec to get their team is 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 a is a group like that that motivated to bring them to Quebec. Um, I agree with you that it's Houston over Atlanta. I really don't see a draw to giving Atlanta another kick at the can. The question that I was going to ask, though, is would you rather go NHL franchise number 33 to Houston or, and I know, you know, I know the Coyotes' arena situation is getting ironed out, or do you think Houston might be Is it getting ironed out, though, or are they just giving us the runaround? Again, it's it's they're they're trying right, um and however that goes, you know if that goes poorly, obviously Arizona would be the the leading contender for relocation. But do you think it's more likely we see NHL team number thirty three or a relocation at Houston? I think relocation is more likely. Uh, I think uh, I think there's less motivated buyers to buy NHL teams right now than we think. And uh, I don't know. There's 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 definitely motivated buyers in the states that that could latch onto that kind of thing eventually. But I think we're more likely to see someone buy the Coyotes than front the price for a new team. I'm pretty sure the uh, valuations and stuff like that, like buying a new NHL team, like rink and infrastructure aside, um, is it not close to a billion dollars? For an expansion bid so yeah i think i think uh if someone were to go and buy the coyotes and bring them over and get a new rink all set up or refashion something that's already in place i honestly think that just seems like a better strategy if i'm the one paying the bill i think i'd rather do that for sure and then you look at the coyotes they have pieces they have pieces that are going to be exciting in the future and be able to put fans in the seats and then no doubt you're going to make it kind of exciting once uh, once you get the team. Add some pieces, add some players, uh, find find a, a star in the twilight of their career to come fill some seats. It uh, Honestly, I think if I'm the guy fronting the bill, I want relocation. I don't want expansion. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, yeah, I think it's going to, yeah. <laughs> Arizona's got a lot of work to do, and I think... <laughs> talking about relocating the coyotes is a, a fruitless exercise honestly because of, yeah we've been know. talking about it most of our lives yeah so uh, i'm not i'm not too ready to be like all right well let's let's start the process but you know i i do think that is the the logical conclusion to that thought line or that line of thinking actually uh it's funny we're talking about this because as we've covered before i always play franchise mode in the nhl games so and my first franchise mode of the year I hopped on with the Coyotes and I uh, relocated them after year two or three to Atlanta. And I was round two of the Thrashers. Had some sick jerseys all customized and made up. And Dylan Gunther, was a, he was a sick Thrasher. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> but yeah, moving on. Uh, Maple Leafs dealing with some adversity now. Ryan O'Reilly injured. He uh, broke, broke a bone or two in his hand. I believe it's a finger, something like that. Um, similar to what Nazem Kadri dealt with, uh, going in, uh, in playoffs last year. And I actually think it's a really good time right now for the Maple Leafs to deal with some adversity. They brought in all these players, had all this excitement. Let's get some adversity being faced now. Let's not just roll into playoffs smoothly. Let's, uh, 
let, let's have something we have to overcome, something we have to achieve. I, uh, I think it's, you know, obviously I'd rather just see Ryan O'Reilly healthy and having fun and playing hockey and being part of a competitive team. But I think, uh, in the grand scheme of things, this might be good for the good old Toronto Maple Leafs. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say it's good. Um, cause you know, it's never good for a player to be injured. I agree. No, no, no. Even just for the team though. Right. Like you kind of have to, <laughs> is there a team that's gone through more adversity and, and more hardship than the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Like if, if they need motivation to want to win or they need to fight through something, like I, I I don't even know what to think of that because how much have they fought through, right? Like how many, like how many years in a row of, 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 of playoff adversity have they faced, right? It's, a, it's largely the same group now for the last few seasons. Um, and I, I also think the fact that it's over, like if it was Marner, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, that would be one thing. It's the fact that it's the new guy, right? It's the fact that it's O'Reilly who's only had eight games to start playing with his line mates. You know, like if, if he's playing the rest of the time and he clicks like crazy with Nylander, Tavares or Marner or something, right? Then all of a sudden you have a, you have a whatever line Matthews and Marner's on, then whatever line O'Reilly, Tavares who are playing unbelievable together are on. Um, so I, I understand the sentiment. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it, it's a good thing right now. Um, I, you know, I, I, I honestly like, uh, you know, it, it sucks for O'Reilly and, and I want, you know, I, I obviously have sympathy for him, but I, I just, I still, I still struggle to adopt the mindset that this is going to matter because to me, it's just, it's, it's a Tampa Boston second round. And I don't think any amount of Ryan O'Reilly was going to change that for Toronto as good as he is. Damn. You're really just putting them in the coffin already, already, uh, already, already marking up their gravestone, already booking their tea times. Damn. You're really just throwing them in the gutter that quick. I really, I really think it, it's, it, it takes something really special to beat this version of Andre Vasilevsky, man. Like that's my thinking. And the Colorado Avalanche was that something special. I think the Boston Bruins are slated to be that something special. Um, uh, I think they lose in the second round. I yeah yeah I I I if I'm making my bracket, I actually have them out in the third. But um, so to me, Toronto's not Toronto's not going to be Vasilevsky, right? Like that that that's he's my guy, right? I think we we made a top five a few weeks ago, and he was he was in my five, right? I think I, I even went so far I was like he might be the most talented goalie of, or the most dominant goalie of all time. Right. Just because. Be. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and part of it, it's not about numbers. It's not about accomplishments. It's about put Andre Vasilevsky in the 1980s and buddy has a 0. 0.05 goals against average and a nine, nine, five save percentage. You put the best goalies from the eighties. Now they've got above five goals against averages and under 700 save percentages. Right. That's my point is, is, is you know we 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 can debate numbers and and accomplishments all we want. I think I think I said this was what I said is every best goalie in the league is really like the new best goalie that's ever played, right? Because the goaltending position continues to evolve and continues to get better. And I've referenced this before, even like when you and I started watching hockey in the late 2000s, early 2010s. You take those goalies, you put them next to the goalies today. That it's night and day, even from then, right? Let alone the the, the the decades prior and i just i i think <laughs> i i really think toronto you know like samsonov could get really hot matt murray could get really hot but that goaltending battle is so slated that i just think that's tipping the scales well that's totally fair so what do you think they're out early in the first round you think they fight it through uh, 
think they push it to seven again? What do you think? That's tough. That's a really, yeah, it's really tough to say. I, I, I think it'll go six or seven again. I don't think Tampa is going to like have their way with them, but it'll go deep. But I, I just, I don't see them. I don't see them getting over the line. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I think if there's any year with this core, it's this year. This is, if there's one, this is the one. Yeah. I don't disagree with that when you look at Toronto, but I think for that to be true, you'd have to kind of also look at their opponent. And I, I don't think Tampa like Kucherov is playing some of the best hockey he's ever played. Braden point is playing some very good hockey. And then you've got guys like Alex Kaloran is quietly having a great year. Brandon Hagel is quietly having a great year. The only one in on that whole team really to me that's not ha- that that has disappointed me this season's headman steven stamkos isn't quite the the that upper echelon of player that he was a couple of years ago for tampa but you mean last year yeah yeah um he 100 points last year right yeah yeah he's not he's not that this year right but it's 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 also it, it would be a little bit harsh to say i expected a bit of a decline from stamkos it, it doesn't surprise me as much as much as Hedman. Like I wasn't expecting Victor Hedman to kind of. Well, Hedman's not back. even on the first power play anymore most of the yeah. time. It's Sergachev. Yeah, yeah, but and then that, that's the other thing too is you've got Sergachev, Chernak. You've you've still got the defense on Tampa to to step up and 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 fill those gaps. So uh, yeah, I, I think if you're looking at Toronto, this is the best team Toronto has ever put together. But I just still look at Tampa and look at the way those players are playing and say it's still not going to happen against that team this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can understand that. I, yeah. I like, like I've said before, I think if it's going to happen, it's this year, it's going to take some magic. It's going to take some bounces because it's going to take some heart and soul and it's going to take having your back against the wall and pushing yourself outward and taking it over. And yeah, I think honestly, dude, I think if they get past the first round, they could run to the finals. Oh, totally. Well, I think it's kind of like Washington with the second round in 2018, yeah. right? Washington, never did anything and then the second that that kuznetsov goal goal goes in against the penguins that they're winning the cup right i know they were down three two against tampa but even when they were down three two against tampa i i lit like i was sitting there no doubt washington's gonna beat them and washington's gonna beat the winner of vegas winnipeg i really wanted it to be winnipeg that year i was super bought into that run they made uh to the west final um but I, I thought it was going to be Washington the whole way through. Uh, sorry, not the whole way through. I didn't think they were going to beat Pittsburgh. But once they did, I, I had no doubt they were going to go all the way. So I think Toronto could be the same way. Once you get past a hurdle that you haven't been able to get past in so long, you, you might just be, you know, might just be the momentum that, you know, carries you all the way. It's funny you talk about the hurdle. And uh, when I got home, I, I fired up Chell and I never really got around to playing it. But uh uh, it's just on the home screen, and you said that hurdle, and it was just like playing a Rangers montage, and I'm like, huh, maybe that is the hurdle. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know what? I. <laughs> That's the other thing too with the Leafs, right? Like you, you, you kind of think back for for so long in the early 2010s, it was it was the Western Conference, right? Like there was there was years in a row. Like I think every year between 2010 and 2015, the West finalist was the slam dunk favorite, and and they won every year except for one. Um, and then kind of after Chicago and LA started to, started to, you know, started to go down a little bit, then it was the East teams, right? It was Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Washington, like, uh, had a resurgence. Even in 2019, Boston was the favorite in that final and St. Louis ended up winning. And it, we're, we're still in that, the Eastern conference's stronger fate of the NHL. Right. And so for Toronto, we're talking about this Tampa Bay lightning team that'll have to beat in the first round. And then you kind of take a step back. Like, okay. That's fantastic. It's then Boston, 
and then it's one of the Rangers, Hurricanes, or Devils, right? And I think I fancy Toronto against New Jersey. I don't think I have Toronto beating the New York Rangers or the Carolina Hurricanes objectively in a seven-game series. But again, once they're past the first round, it might just be a freight train that nobody can stop. Totally, totally. And I think uh, that's what you said about how they're kind of like the the Capitals in the second round. Watching Colorado all these years, it was, okay, they need to do what Washington did and they need to get past the second round. They just need to get past. And and when that when it there's that kind of obstacle that's just been present for a core of a team for so long when you see that team lose a game like a pivotal game five or six and it goes to seven it goes to six it's whatever and you just sit there going oh no not again well yeah like even last year you think toronto tampa when points scored game six in overtime that to me was the series winning goal honestly toronto was up three two tampa in game six point scores to force a game seven at goal one tampa the series period right toronto was not winning that game seven period um yeah you kind of think i, I was worried about that with colorado um against tampa <laughs> a little bit right like when they were up three two in tampa bay in game six i was like winner of this game wins the series that was the line of thinking i had um even if it was going to be tampa I, I thought if tampa won game six against colorado they were going to win game seven and i was happy because i didn't want the abs to win so Tampa took care of them in game six, but yeah, I know what you mean. And, and I think that was part of it for Washington too, was they, they beat Pittsburgh in that game six, right? If Pittsburgh wins that game six at home, I think they then turn around, beat Washington again in Washington in game seven. <laughs> do you think uh, just a random train of thought, do you think Pittsburgh would have beat Tampa in that third round? Um, That's hard. It's hard. It is hard. Yeah, it is really hard. I don't remember Pittsburgh's because Pittsburgh's goaltending in 2016, Matt Murray was like lights out. Uh-huh. Then 2017, Mark Andre Fleury had won the spot late in the regular season. He was on fire until I think it was Game Three of the East Final, and Ottawa scored like four first period goals on him. He got yanked, and then Murray played the rest. <laughs> um, I don't remember Murray standing on his head. In those first two rounds for Pittsburgh, I I think it was the Islanders, I want to say, that they beat in the first round that year. Um, and then they, or the Islanders might have bounced them the next year. But um, I, I don't remember Murray playing that well. So I, I would probably say it was Tampa, and then you'd have a really interesting Tampa-Vegas even <laughs> Stanley Cup final. That would have been, that would have been a weird series. That would have been a very weird series. Yeah, I guess the goaltending matchup would have been Matt Murray had a 908 save percentage and a 243 goals against average. Yeah. Two shutouts, though, and I remember them being dominant shutouts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Vasilevsky, that was the thing. That was the thing Vasilevsky with Murray. Had a 918. Yeah. That was the thing with Murray is he could have like two dominant shutouts and then he could get shelled and just <laughs> be a, <laughs> be, be, be no obstacle to, to the forwards shooting on him for the next game. And, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we're talking about the – I'm sure we'll talk about the Leafs more moving forward because that's going to be one of the more intriguing first-round matchups is that Tampa, um, Tampa-Toronto Tampa one. Um, those two threes are, are going to be interesting in the East because then whoever ends up playing uh, in that 2-3 in the Metro is going to be a really cool series as well. 
The Eastern Conference gauntlet is going to be must-see hockey all the way through. Even the the fringe teams making their way in are going to be exciting. Like, if you see a, a Buffalo, Pittsburgh, or Ottawa is putting on a good series against whoever they're playing against. Yeah, I wouldn't want to play Buffalo. I know that sounds no, weird. Oh, me neither. Yeah, I wouldn't want to play Thompson and, and, and Dali in the way they're playing right now. Healthy Alex Tuck by then, too. Oh. Tuck is a playoff-built player. Like yeah, that I remember he are playoffs. He tore Vancouver to shreds that one year um, oh. when we played Vegas in the second round. Like, he's a he's a damn good player. I uh, I can't say it on here, but there's something that rhymes with Tuck that that uh, people online always say he does. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh at this point we uh are this podcast it still has a clean status next to it so i uh, haven't marked any of the yeah i i do have the it's me when i post those podcasts that you know I, i'm in charge of whether the e-tag goes up on it and we can you know we can i just <laughs> you know we're this is episode 17 and we've been good so far so i mean you know. I imagine it's going to be sometime when there's something we're very passionate about and one of us has a very, very good rant that we don't have the heart to take out. And it's just going to be a spur of the moment thing where like, you know what? You just drop a couple bombs. It might happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've got through a lot of uh, a lot of Canucks stuff without dropping them. So it might, <laughs> it, may, it might have to be you. I feel like if it was me, it would have happened already. So far, so good. Uh, yeah. So next on our list, next topic we've got is uh looking forward looking forward past this season uh we've already talked a fair bit so uh no need to insert rant here about the the measly price that ottawa paid to get jacob shikran but uh what does this trade do for next year's ottawa senators you gotta think alex debrinkit needs a new deal they've got a lot of guys getting paid a lot of forwards up front uh thomas chapot's getting a nice price tag you got to wonder if they're going to uh, further address goaltending this summer. He, you got to think what this, you know, admittedly cheap Jacob Shikran contract does going forward. I think offseason for Ottawa is going to bring two new players and those two players are going to see them end up being a playoff team. Now they're in the Atlantic, so they'd have to pass Tampa, Toronto, or Boston if they want to top three spot i don't want to go so far as to say they'll do that for sure it's a wild card thing yeah i i think they're a playoff team surefire no doubt if yes goalie in the summer and then a right-handed defenseman in the summer i think if you get a solid goalie and a solid right-handed d you are set and i think but they got zoob i don't I like zoob i actually don't I like, like zoob. Zoob. yeah he's i like him as like a four or five right like yep. i don't i don't have any problem in that role so he can play on the second pair with with Chikrin or Shabbat, whoever you want to fill in there. But I think a, a top pair right-handed D. And when I say top pair, we don't need a number one defenseman. Like Eric Chernak to me is a top pair defenseman because he yeah. he, he plays that side with Hedman or Sergachev so well. Um, so somebody in that vein to play with one of Chikrin or Shabbat, you got Zub playing with the other one. I'd love to see Bernard Docker take a step. He's playing Belleville this year. Um, he could be he could be one of your guys. Maybe. Maybe you go Shabbat, Bernard Docker, and then Chikrin, uh, Zub, and then you get some. You get a reliable defensive defenseman to play the right side of Eric ba- Eric Brandstrom's pair, right? Because that's kind of what Brandstrom needs. What about Jake is... Sanderson? Does he not exist? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sanderson's the left side too, right? And then that that's yeah. what complicates it even more is 
is Brandstrom's not a right-hand right-handed side right-sided guy. You don't really want to put Shabbat or Chikrin out of their comfort zones, but Sanderson's been so good this year that you kind of have to include him in that category as well. And it's, you know, I'm not saying Ottawa shouldn't have got Chikrin because at that price, absolutely go get him. But now you've got this this log jam on the left side, and you've got Artem Zub and nobody else on the right, especially when you trade Zaitsev. And Zaitsev wasn't, you know, I'm not calling Zaitsev a top four defenseman, but he at least was <laughs> at least shot the right way. He was an NHL caliber player. Yeah. I, I would take him as a 5'6 for 1'5. I would not want him on a $4.5 million ticket, which he had. No. No, it's it's going to be interesting to watch Ottawa as this core continues to develop and what pieces move in, which pieces stay out. Like That's the thing when you have all of these young forwards and defensemen. They're not all going to be around when this team's window fully opens. Some guys are going to get swapped in and out. That's how it works. Yeah, and, and so... and. T- to that end, like I, I've talked a lot about about um, you know, I, I don't love some of the decisions the Senators made in the draft, right? Like I, I will, I, 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 I liked Drysdale a lot more than Sanderson before. It's really hard to put the two next to each other because Drysdale had a pretty solid first season on a pretty bad Anaheim team, and then he was hurt all year this yeah. year. Sanderson had a really good rookie year on an Ottawa team that was better than Anaheim was last year. So it's really hard to make a judgment on the two of them. Um, but in retrospect, like honestly, <laughs> wouldn't a Shabbat, Chikrin, Brandstrom left side and then a Zub, Drysdale and insert number six here, right side look better than this, right? It's yeah. And part of it is just the way the team needs evolved. I understand that. But um, the other thing too is, is picking Tyler Boucher 10th overall in 2021, I think is going to age poorly. Like it's, if you if you had like a Cole Sillinger in that spot, like yeah, uh, even a uh, Yoakam Kamal was a huge fan of his. I was shocked he dropped to seventeen. Um, you all of a sudden have have some have something to work with, and I just I don't know. You know I I don't know what the I I don't know what the plan for Ottawa is, but to me it's two pieces from contention from playoff contention at least. Yeah, that's totally fair, and like you know the thing with them is. They're going to be good when Boston is no longer good. Yeah, that's the other thing I was going to say. Yeah, because I said I don't see the Bruins lightning or Leafs dropping out next year, but it's coming, right? It's coming. Like Costa, DeBrusque, McAvoy, they're all still going to be there. I don't think they're going to, I don't, I think they're destined for, unfortunately for them, they're destined for mediocrity. Bergeron, Marchand, and Kreitschier all obviously kind of close to the end. I think Olmark. Lindholm, McAvoy, DeBrusque, Pasternak, Hall keep this team like a playoff team, right? I, I don't think they're not going to yeah. be a playoff team for a while, but I, I think you're going to start to see Buffalo, Toronto, Tampa, Ottawa kind of <laughs> filter above them in the next couple of years. And then Montreal, honestly, isn't that far behind either, right? Montreal, maybe three years and they're, they're passing the Bruins. So I think Boston, I think Boston's going to be in a weird spot. Then again, um, players are going to play for that team that they don't have yet. Right. So it's, yep. it's all going to be about how they handle the, how they handle the roster, how they, they manage their Asset assets and everything. Maybe. Yeah. So, so we'll see. Um, But regardless, at Atlantic, like <laughs> the teams that are good are going to be good for a little while longer. And the teams that aren't good are getting way better. Like Detroit, Buffalo, Montreal, and Ottawa all have pretty solid foundations in place to, to improve. And, and the young players on those teams are all, are all good, right? Like you got Detroit, you look at 
somebody like a Raymond, Mo Sider to join Dylan Larkin, who just got a big ticket. You look at the Habs, Slykovsky, Suzuki, Caulfield, Gooley. Um, they got two first rounders this year that are both going to be probably top 10 picks, if not top 12-ish picks. Um, and this I is a draft. fully count Florida out of the race yet, even though their their math doesn't look good. It doesn't look good, and I don't. The team doesn't look good, man. <laughs> the other thing is, 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 is just yeah. It's it's just it's while we're like... on Florida for a half sec, you have to throw some recognition Matthew Kachuk's way because that guy has come fully as advertised. That guy has been an absolute. He's been a stud. This year. He's been a stud. Yeah, like he's well, been a top and... ten player in the league this year. No, joke. he has. He has, and and it's 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 <laughs> it's it's hard to criticize that trade because of that. But James, like, did they not rip the heart of that team? Yeah, they did. Right? So I, I, I'm as as good as he is, as many points as he's going to put up. I think Ford is in the playoffs with Hubert O'Weger. Yeah, probably, probably. They didn't like how they looked in that second round, so maybe they thought, yeah, this year we take a step back, and then we take a couple years to reload, and we come back as true contenders in two years. Yeah, well, that that's a that's a that's fair, and um. And maybe if they didn't require Ben Chirot, then they'd be true contenders sooner. Well, they that first rounder they have this year could have been a could have been a big chip either at the deadline or at the draft, right? Like if they didn't trade that for Chirot. If they if that pick wins the draft lottery, I'm just gonna laugh. That will be the worst trade of all time. Period. Yeah. Sign it. Literally, there there nothing will come close to that. No Philip Forsberg for Martin Erat. No Marcus Naslin for whoever the hell he got traded for. Like no. What like, about no, what about Patrick Waugh for Jocelyn Tebow? You know what? Because it won Colorado two cups, like you have to kind of say. But if it wins the Bedard lottery, man, like, oh James, like no, like <laughs> if you traded Connor Bedard for Ben Sherratt, you that you just that is the worst NHL trade of all time. Yep. Oh, oh, uh, news coming across the board. Patrick Kane just got an assist. Bang. Oh, thanks, James. I felt yeah. like something happened. Yeah, and uh, Panarin was also in on it. It was Kane to, Pater- to Panarin to Truba. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I really, really like that. Okay, well, good. You know what I, I like? I Dude, I, I don't know. I can't even tell you why. Maybe it was just because I fell in love with him as a junior player. Like Lafreniere scored today. I just, I, I'm so yeah. like, that's it. That, that's a career high, man. Listen, I'm telling you, he improved from his first season to his second. He is now one better than his career high. His career high was 31 last year. That's his 14th goal and 32nd point of the year this year. And yeah. I, I'm so like, um, uh, did I tell you I have a jersey coming? Actually, <laughs> is it a Canada laugh jersey? It is a reverse retro New York Rangers Lafreniere jersey. Ooh. I bought it as soon as they didn't trade him for Kane at the deadline. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. That's uh, I'd say that's one of the cooler jerseys in your collection. I've always really wanted his Canada jersey. I, I thought really about wanted. it. Well, I was always going to get it. I have to get a Bedard one, man. Like if I, I, I need a new Canada jersey, and it was going to be him until this year, and now it's now it's got to be Bedard. Well, when when I visit, should that be our our late night bad decision as we both order jerseys? Oh, maybe, maybe. That's that's a possibility. It's it's in it's in yeah for sure. No, it's maybe it's, take a bite out of the credit card kind of possibility, it, but it's, it's on the table. It's on the table. Uh, all right. Well, there's uh there's one more thing I kind of want to talk about the NHL right now, and. That's, uh, you know, when a team unloads 
when a team fully transitions, fully commits to the rebuild, there's always a couple guys who get an elevated opportunity. And that's something you really want to see because, you know, there's 32 teams in the NHL. There's a lot more jobs than there used to be. But those coveted middle six and up jobs, those top four D pair and up jobs, the ones where you're actually a difference maker and you're a committed part of the core, you're you're a guy who teams want, a guy who's going to end up getting paid your whole career. Those ones are a lot fewer and further between. There's a lot of transitional depth jobs out there in the NHL. And, you know, playing in the NHL is a, a blessing. It's something that it's the greatest achievement in hockey outside of winning a cup or a gold medal. You know, like it's uh, it's it's something that can't be diminished. But, you know, you want to see these guys be able to take the next step. And one thing you're seeing in Chicago right now is a couple guys take advantage of some open space. Max Domi and Patrick Kane traded at the deadline. Sam Lafferty traded leading into the deadline. Uh, you know, there's room. There's room for guys to come in and make a difference. Taylor Radish scored a couple goals the other night. That's a guy who was a decent prospect in Tampa. Sick player in junior. He was just part of a part of the Hagel trade going over back to Chicago. That's a guy who has a lot of room to do whatever he wants with this ice time. He can carve out a spot. He can earn a name. He's close to 20 goals. Once you score 20 goals in the NHL, that's always something that's on your resume. I want to say he's at 15 or 16 now, something like that. If he can score a few more to end the year, get up to 20, get above 20, awesome. Love to see it. I don't care if you don't hit 40 points, whatever. That 20 goal score mark on your resume, awesome. Lucas Reichel, first mid-first rounder a couple of years ago, I saw him get a couple points the other day. Awesome. Love to see it. That's a guy who might not have otherwise got as much of an opportunity if Chicago was trying to hold on to a competitive window, if they were trying to fill in blanks with more uh, more established guys. He's a guy who's cranking out ice time right now. Love to see it. That's uh, you see, You've seen this with a lot of things over the years. San Jose, they unloaded a couple guys. You wonder if you're going to see uh, some of their younger players take another step, maybe uh, take advantage of their ice time. It's uh, something I always pay a lot of attention to post-deadline. And at the start of a season, if teams unloaded in the offseason, it's something that as a sports fan in general, you love to see guys take that opportunity and not look back. Yeah, and it, it's not mutually exclusive to the Blackhawks either. Like you look at the Coyotes, like uh, Matias Michelli was kind of the breakout rookie this year. I mean, Maddie right. Beniers, Maddie Beniers was always going to do this, guys. Like, <laughs> um, but even Baron Hayton's taking a step forward this year. They got Yusuf Valimaki from the Flames, who was a guy that I had sort of close to giving up on but the, you know he's he's loving he's, this opportunity he's playing really well travis boyd is a guy that was in vancouver they got him from toronto on waivers that he goes to arizona and he you know he's he's been in the top six right not 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 so much because he he's he's that kind of talent but because he that's just where he fit in on their roster he had something like not quite 20 goals last year travis boyd but he was close to 20 goals and 20 assists. He had like 35 points or something. Um, and, and so uh, I think, I think these teams are actually, if you are a guy like that, you almost want to be there, right? Like as bad as those teams are, you're getting that top six minutes. You didn't say Philip Kurashev. I really like Philip Kurashev. Uh -huh. I've again, another guy that I've loved since before he was in the NHL. He was sw really sweet player with the Quebec Ramparts. Um, and he had one world juniors with Switzerland where he had like six goals in seven games. I think that was the Vancouver one because Switzerland played seven because Switzerland beat Sweden in the quarterfinals that year and, and ended up finishing fourth. So he got to play seven games. Um, and he, yeah, he was sick and, and <laughs> um, 
I remember that game, the, they they played Canada. I don't. I think it was a three-two game. Like it was it was tight, and and he was he was their best player. Um, Lucas Reichel, another World Junior guy. I remember that line. It was Stutzla Reichel and JJ Paterka for Germany that one year. That they were they were so good together, and yeah, like I I've always been a big Reichel fan. He's, he he just came up from Rockford, so he hasn't played all year. Um, he's like what eight games or something, and um, and and yeah, like you're, you're absolutely right. I think this is a trend that you know, and, and we talk about expansion at the top of the uh, episode, James. Like. 32 teams now. Let's say let's say hypothetically, even in five years, we have Houston and Atlanta, right? I'm not that's not gonna happen. We're not gonna have 34 teams in five years. I understand that. But if you if you add another 45 regular roster spots, right? Like th- there's gonna be more teams like the Chicago Arizonas that are just, you know, bulking up uh draft capital, prospect capital for the future, and more of these opportunities, right? And as much as how bad some of these teams are, maybe isn't great. Um it's it's still you know you're you're still gonna see these guys evolve into full time NHLers. I totally agree. Totally agree. And it it's the kind of thing where you just want to cheer them on. You just want them to to prove themselves and and enjoy playing hockey because from what I've heard from some interviews, you know, like these guys love this opportunity, love being there. But I understand it can be kind of debilitating if you're just on the outside looking in all the time, always fighting for a job every year. That makes that career exhausting rather than enjoyable in some ways. I imagine. You know, I, I'm sure these guys are still having a great time. They're doing something they love. But, you know, if you have that bit of comfortability, if you lock down that multi-year contract of a couple million per, that's uh, that's life-changing. That's a, that's a whole different life you're looking forward, forward to post-career. Well, there's one more thing that I just want to bring up before we head over to Junior. Just kind of interesting question that popped into my mind as I saw that Braden Point to score his 40th goal of the season. I was uh I was just thinking, okay, Braden Point already has two cups. No individual hardware, but it's still early. He's only 26 years old. If he ends his career over a point per game, gets one more cup, and maybe say an individual award, like say a Selkie or something like that, I feel like that's probably his most likely individual award. Or maybe a con Smythe, if possible. Um, yeah, probably that one. <laughs> If he gets those two, say another cup and an individual award, and he ends his career over a point per game, Hall of Famer, yes or no? I say yes. Yeah, I think yes. Um, it's kind of like we were talking about with Ben on an earlier episode when he was on with us. Like I think that was way back episode three or something, where yeah. like my answer is yes, comma, but there are still Hall of Fame eligible guys that aren't in that I still think like to me, like get Alexander McGillney in the goddamn Hall of Fame, right? Um also this so- point thing is 20 years down the road. Yes, literally. Yeah, he's 26 years old. So he he's got a lot of a lot of but I'm I'm just saying like <laughs> there are guys that need to be there more than a hypothetical 41-year-old Braden Point that's won three cups and a con Smythe. Um I think the other thing that you have to look at like <laughs> I'm I'm not saying that the 20 like Victor Hedman shouldn't have won the 2020 con Smythe or Andre Vasilevsky shouldn't have won the 2021 con Smythe, but if you look at Braden Point 46 games in the playoffs over Tampa Bay's two cup winning seasons. He scored 28 goals and he scored 28 assists, 56 points in 46 games in those two playoffs. That is unbelievable. The one, the one year where Hedman won, like Hedman had, I think 10 goals or something as a defenseman, but point played 23 games. He had 14 goals and 33 points that year. Like 
so as much as you can kind of be like, yeah, he doesn't have any personal hardware. It's like he could have literally ran away with two consmites oh, yeah. in another year, right? Um, and then you look again. You look at he's he just scored forty. He he he's gonna hit fifty this year, James. Right? Like he's gonna be a fifty goal scorer. He's I don't know if it's gonna be this year. Knock he's, on wood. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Fifty. I don't know. If, I don't know if a hundred's gonna happen this year. I think he will hit a hundred points at a different point in his career. He had ninety two. That's his career high so far. Um, but uh, yeah, I I I also think the sky's the limit for this guy too, right? Like even as He's gonna be he's gonna be a machine on another team when Tampa's bad. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, oh, um, dude, he's gonna be the coolest deadline acquisition ever when Tampa's he's, bad. He's gonna yeah, be like he's gonna be two or something like that. Oh, that's yeah. gonna be crazy. Yeah, he's gonna go to yeah, he's gonna go somewhere where, um, he's like the the he's the Ryan O'Reilly basically, right? Yeah. Um. Oh, that's so cool. I've never thought of that before. That's really cool. That's one of those things that's like, I don't care that I'll be getting old when that happens. That's just so cool. Uh, one other thing worth noting on him as well, his first playoff ever when uh, we were talking about earlier when Tampa lost in the third round against the Caps, that was his first NHL playoffs. 16 points in 17 games. This guy's an absolute machine in the playoffs. It was, uh, on honestly... Healthy Braden Point, Tampa might have beat Colorado last year. Maybe. Yeah, 78 points in 76 games, right? Like, all the time. Um, he kind of reminds me, yeah, like, yeah. He kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, a Justin Williams where, like, underappreciated until the playoffs. It's like, no, this guy's a, this guy's a stud. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, above Williams, he has the regular season numbers. Yeah. So yeah. you got to think, like, I still think Williams should get in, debatably, but that's just yeah. That me. one, that one's close. That one's close. <laughs> that that one's on the edge. Yeah, yeah. That one. Anyway, anyway, let's honestly. Uh, you, you know what? You know what? That's gonna be for me. It's gonna be like, it, it, there's gonna be a year where all those guys we've ran through that need to get in are gonna have gotten in already. It's just gonna be a really weak year of players that become eligible, and then that's when Williams is gonna sneak in. Yeah. True. Well, and talking about this Tampa team, if Braden Point gets in, that's going to be Stamkos, Vasilevsky, Hedman, Point, Corey Perry. Kucherov, man. Kucherov. Yeah. I thought I said his name first, but I didn't. No. Perry, <laughs> yeah, Perry's a good show because Perry is going to get in the Hall. I love him or hate him. Corey Perry's a Hall of Famer, period. Yeah, it's actually crazy that he's been to three straight finals without winning. It's, yeah. It's, it's the reverse Pat Maroon. I'd feel really bad if he hadn't won, but he has, so I don't mm -hmm. feel bad. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I still do feel bad to an extent, for sure. But the fact well, that he has been to the summit, like, the that, other, that, that helps. The other thing, too, right? Like, he, he, was, he lost with Tampa last year, but he lost with a Montreal team that arguably should never have been there and a Dallas team that arguably should never have been there, right? It's not like he was on these juggernauts that got their hearts broken. He lost two finals on teams that were very, very fortunate and should be very happy with getting that far, right? <laughs> oh, of course, of course. But anyway, I think uh, that's... <laughs> uh, do we have a tally on how many tangents that was? I think that was our most tangent-filled episode so far. It might have been, but we also didn't prepare that much, like, as far as topics. Like, I think we had four NHL topics, which is a sharp contrast from last episode when our NHL topics were just literally every trade that was made. Ever. Um, we had a two-and-a-half-hour episode. That will happen did. once or twice a year. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a lot. Um, 
so I we're going to move into junior now. Um, three players to look at. One of them is kind of he's he's getting some attention. Uh, Lane Hudson, an American defenseman, drafted 62nd overall in 2022 by the Montreal Canadiens, an 04 born um, Holland, Missouri native. So th- this is again, I'm going to kind of take a step back, and, and I, I've explained this before. I'll sort of run through this again. The best junior leagues in the world. It's the CHL, right? It's the OHL, the WHL, and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, period. But if you want to go play NCAA hockey after you graduate high school, you cannot play in those three leagues because you you receive compensation. It's not like you get a paycheck from those teams, but those teams financially compensate you for playing for them, right? And the NCAA looks at you and they're like, okay, you're now a professional athlete. You can't play for us anymore, period. So that's what makes these tier two quote unquote leagues so important. It's that's the USHL, which is considered a major junior league. I'm not getting into that, but <laughs> the USHL in the States, which is, you know, it's, it's not quite to the level of the CHL. It, it is technically a level above junior A and then the BCHL and, B, and BC junior A league, AJHL and Alberta junior A league, um, et cetera. So tier two players are so hard to judge. Right. You've got you've seen guys like Kale, you've seen guys like Kale McCarr come out of them and be superstars. You've seen guys like Tyson Jost, right? Just making a Colorado reference for you. Dante Fabro. Dante Fabro, right? Coming out of them looking really good and then not quite living up to the hype. Right. Jacob Bernard Docker, we were talking about earlier, is another tier two guy that you know obviously still can be that. Um you don't see nearly as many tier two Canadians as Americans. Um now What's interesting is 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 <laughs> the Americans basically have it like the, the U.S. national team development program competes in the USHL against other teams. It is ostensibly an all-star team in a regular league. That is on that that, that that's sort of what we're looking at, right? Um, and Lane Hudson played for that team because of how good that team is, right? The the numbers those guys post, right? It, it's hard to judge. You know what I mean? You've got guys like Alex Turcott who concussions aside has not been the player that he was supposed to be right. Come out of that program was a fifth overall pick to LA. And you've got guys like Cole Caulfield who people kind of thought his numbers were a little bit inflated by playing with Jack Hughes in his draft year. It looks like a stud, right. Coming out of that program because you draft players. That was for the- also like the most stacked U S national development program year ever. It was. Cause you had Zegras on there too. Um, so you draft a player when he's 18, right? So a lot of the times these players that are going to go play NCAA are draft eligible before they've played a game in the NCAA. You know what I mean? Like I, I work in the AJHL. There's so many guys like that where, you know, there are, there are some guys listed on this NHL central scouting registry from the AJHL that I know, I know are going to be better than their draft positions. Cause I've watched them play so much, Yeah, but they're not going to, they're not going to go. We're not going to see an AJHL in the first two rounds of the, of, of the, of the draft. Because it's it's hard to it's hard to put ninety seven points in a tier two league next to Colby Barlow thirty three goals so far already in the OHL right um, now Lane Hudson was one of those players he was a, a left shot defenseman coming out of the the U S National Development Program and Montreal took him uh, Montreal took him the sixty second overall pick um, that was low he slipped <laughs> like he was supposed to be a first rounder. Um, he was supposed to be a late first rounder, early second rounder, um, NHL central scouting. I think, Oh, I looked this up. I think 25, they had him at going into the draft. And then he was like the, in the, between 30 and 40 for most of the other outlets. Um, and he slipped to 62 
Now, this is kind of where I'm going with this. <laughs> because Lane Hudson graduates high school, goes to play in the NCAA, he's playing at Boston University this season, 12 goals and 43 points in 33 games as a 19-year-old defenseman. So these numbers are jumping off at you. This is better than Kale McCarr was doing at this age, right? This is this is this is legit. So um I just wanted to talk about him because it kind of, you know, it, it's a good representation of what we talk about sometimes going down the junior A route and how those players are hard to judge. Like you're you're that that's why that's why college free agents are even a thing, right? Because somebody will go yeah. unnoticed. Somebody will go unnoticed in a tier two league. They'll go play NCAA hockey, and by their second year, they've had this massive development because they were they were passed over as a 17, 18-year-old, and all of a sudden, they're now 20. They're done growing, and it's like, holy crap, Jimmy VC's a stud, right? And um, Justin Schultz kind of had that happen to him as well. Um, and so you, you, get, you get this, right? You get this Montreal looking like they stole this defenseman at 62nd overall. Um, and it, yeah, it was just, it's, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to me, right, James. And it's, it's, it's something that is going to keep happening, right? Because it, it's just, it's hard to judge those leagues against the tier ones and, and you don't really, you know, the level of competition, the NCAA is so much higher than you kind of realize what you have. Um, and it's really interesting because I think this is a good transition and, and I'll, I'll transition it after, uh, I ask you if you have any, anything to add to that. Well, one thing you mentioned the tier two leagues, one thing that jumps off the page at me is uh, uh, when you talk about sometimes these players going unnoticed and sometimes their numbers being inflated and uh, and then sometimes they're judged accurately. It's uh, it's very all across the map. One player I want to highlight drafted third overall in 2007 after putting up 121 points in 53 games with the Burnaby Burnaby Express of the BCHL Kyle Turris. Went third overall after that crazy year. And that's probably the earliest player that I can remember off the top of my head from uh, Canadian Junior A that went that early. And so that kind of sets the ground for a while. But I don't remember seeing another one go for quite a while that that jumped off the page at me, at least, that had those crazy numbers in a, in like a, a lower tier junior league in in uh and just kind of transitioned almost directly into the nhl i mean kyle turris did go play a year at the university of wisconsin but i mean a year later he's playing for the coyotes and the guy had a pretty solid career carved out yes he wasn't your typical third overall didn't have the craziest career but the guy was a difference maker at the nhl level for a long time so just like you said the basically i'm just bringing this up to echo what you're saying it can be very very hard to judge these players very hard. No, yeah, absolutely. So to kind of segue, and it's just interesting, you know, James and I have talked about um, talked about how talked about this draft. We've talked about the fact that um, that you you have <laughs> you have the top three this year, right? And I'm gonna put Mishkov in the top three. He's 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 a top three in this draft in terms of talent. He might not go for other reasons. But you have the top three most talented guys in this draft, Bedard, Fantilli, Nishkov, and we've referenced that nobody in the 2024 draft would touch them. I still think that's true, but I did want to highlight a couple of the guys because the top two picks that are slated to go one and two next year are both playing tier two hockey, which is just an interesting interesting parallel to draw. One of them is a Canadian playing in the States in the USHL with the Chicago Steel. I know you've mentioned him. It's it's Macklin Celebrini. He's from Vancouver with the Chicago Steel in the USHL. And again, he's playing in a tier two league. And again, okay, tier two arbitrarily. Like it's, <laughs> it's technically major junior. It's not CHL. 
but in a in a in a USHL that you know it's not it's not always super easy to score. Like I'll I'll give you a frame of reference. The number two scorer in the USHL right now is also on the Chicago Steel. His name is uh, his name's Jack Harvey, and Harvey has uh, has twenty nine goals and fifty nine points in forty nine games. He's also a Boston University commit. Um, he was an 03. So he was already passed over in the draft. He's 19 years old. So you have a guy that is the, a 2003 born Macklin Celebrini <laughs> James is 16 years old. He's born in 2006. So you've got him 40 goals and 71 points in 41 games. He's blowing out the rest of the USHL right now. Um, he's going to be playing at Boston university next year. Um, yeah, like I, I just, it's again, it's hard to say with these guys, but but Celebrini looks amazing, and I was gonna and then go to the 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 guy that's supposed to go second, uh, Cole Eiserman, who is an American uh, American left winger, another 2006 born, uh, playing in that U.S. national team development program, right? And in the USHL, he's played 25 games, has 18 goals, right? He's he's gonna go to the University of Minnesota next year, so I don't actually remember off the top of top of my head. Um, I don't think it's ever happened where we've had two USHL guys go one, two in the draft to like two NCAA committed players go one, two. I don't think it's ever happened. So it's just interesting that it, it's, it's going to be 2024 with two guys, you know, like I said, two guys that would probably go four or five in this draft, maybe Celebrini at four. I don't think Iserman would beat out Carlson. He might go seven in this draft. If if you're, I, I think it would probably be, um, you know, the top three, Bedard, Fintilly, Mishkov, then Celebrini, then probably Carlson Benson, and then you'd have Iserman. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do, do you know? I don't think it's happened. I'm going to say no, that we've, we've never seen this happen. I don't believe it's happened. No, but uh, we've been trending towards this for quite a while. Like, like we referenced how, how stacked and loaded that age was uh that that Jack Hughes, Alex Turcott, Trevor Zegers, Cole Caulfield, how stacked that group was. And uh it kind of just it's basically just continued since then. Uh there's so many more guys going the US development route, uh playing playing out uh tier two leagues and then going and committing to college university, whatever in the States. It's it's been a trend that's been followed like I think in this past like five years moving forward. It's been nonstop just how incredible U.S. hockey has been developing players. They are putting so many prospects into the first round of the NHL draft. It's actually insane. It's insane to look at it. Well, and it's not just Americans either. It's Canadians too, right? Like I, I yeah. work in a league. I work for a team. We have 12 players on my team that are going to go play NCAA hockey after they're done. And off the top of my head, I think 10 of those 12 are Canadians, right? Um, right. we got a, an American kid going to Yale and an American kid, uh, going to the university of New Hampshire, but the rest of them are all Canadian kids. So yeah, it, it's, it's not just, um, it's, it's not just the, the Americans that are going through the development program because it, ma- it makes sense, right? It, it's logical yeah. for you to, for you to kind of say, well, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good fallback, right? Because if you, if you're not going to be a professional hockey player, you are getting, you know, if, if you're at the top of the draft, you're getting a full ride scholarship, right. To do whatever you want to do. That's right. Um, So I, I think, yeah, I, I really, yeah, I think it's a good idea for, 
for for a lot of reasons i completely understand that the the allure of the chl route because you know you often have you know it, it's harder competition it might be better for your development as well um and you're going to get that look, right? If you're playing in the OHL, the identical numbers in the OHL and the USHL, the guy in the OHL is going to get more of the look, right? He's going to get that first round. He's going to get that priority. He's going to get, you know, he's going to get the attention. He's going to get the opportunity, right? Um, that, that a tier two player just isn't going to get with the same numbers. So, um, you know, the, there, there's, there's pluses to both. And, and uh, like you said, it's trending in the direction that it's just uh, the tier two to NCAA route is, is becoming more and more common. Interesting to note as well, Macklin Celebrini went the uh, Shattuck St. Mary's prep route before where he is now. And uh, notable alumni from Shattuck, Sidney Crosby, Jonathan Taves, Zach Parisi uh, on that next tier, like Drew Stafford, Kyle Arposo, Derek Stepan, Jack Johnson, Emerson Edom, Ryan Malone, Patrick Eves, a uh, guy like Chris Porter even. Like they've, they've consistently developed quality NHLers. And uh, Joe Corvo's another guy that pops in mind. <laughs> what a name, Joe Corvo. Love but yeah, it. it's uh, they've they've done an incredible job with high end talent and getting them ready for the next level. And it looks like that's just continuing with Celebrini. So it's uh, it's no doubt in my mind that when we look at that alumni list several years down the road, that uh, he's just on that list. That's another guy, just another piece of notable alumni. I know. Uh, I know before we go into our uh, our fun part of our pod, you want to talk a little bit about the AJHL playoffs, something you're pretty invested in as you're uh, as you're pretty involved with the team. Of course, I'm just excited, man. I'm just excited. Uh, you've got yeah, we got game one against Calgary tomorrow. By the time this goes out, we will have played uh, games one and two against Calgary. We'll uh, you know we'll we'll know how this series is taking shape by then. Uh, and yeah, like I said, like you, you said it yourself and I'm, in, I'm, I'm invested in this team. I'll be, you know, I'll be on the bus to Calgary, both ways, both games. And, and it's, uh, it's Yeah. It's going to be fun. Playoff hockey can't be beaten. You know, when, when you're even a little bit involved in it, it, you know, it sucks you up, you, you get that fever and yeah, um, I'm, I'm ready. I'm excited. Awesome. Love to hear it. And uh, just one last piece of junior things. Uh, I didn't have this on our list, but um over in the BCHL, one thing I want to talk about, my former co-worker, uh, play-by-play announcer for the Sir Eagles, Joey Pitt, um, he is, he's been doing something pretty special all year long. I, Aiden, you've probably come across it, but it's gaining a lot of traction because Global did a pretty massive article profile on it, and uh, it got a lot of clicks online, and, you know, deservingly so. It's a pretty special story. Uh, this year, Joey's been growing his hair out, his curly mane, uh, in support of the Wigs for Kids Foundation, basically uh, um, grow a natural human hair wig for a kid who uh, has gone through chemotherapy, cancer treatment, uh, things along those lines. And the reason he took this approach is uh, a good friend of his passed away in the summer, um, a lifelong friend of his uh, after a battle with a form of cancer. I can't recall off the top of my head um yeah it's a pretty damn good cause and they had a goal of i believe ten thousand dollars they're uh nearly at seven thousand right now i had no doubt it just keeps going higher now that it's gotten that traction from global bc doing an article on it um it's uh it's a pretty good pretty damn good cause and uh while i was working with the eagles seeing him do his uh his wig for kids update up in the booth they they point the camera at him during the broadcast and him and uh uh, color commentator, former classmate of ours, Lucas Celli, 
they would do a nice little update and it's a lot of fun. And if you ever have time to tune into the broadcast for the Eagles and uh, check out Joey's wig hair update and, uh, and donate if you can, it's uh, it's a pretty damn good cause. So I just want to put that one out there. Yeah. He gets our, uh, he gets our stick tap for that. Yeah. Luke, I, Lucas did tell me about that. It's, yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, yeah, people, you know, and, and even, you know, a junior, a, let me tell you from first time experience, a junior, a play-by-play broadcaster isn't much of a platform, but it's always good to see people using whatever their platforms are to, to, to make a difference. Damn right. Couldn't agree more. And now to the fun part of our podcast, it isn't the great Canadian hockey podcast without a couple of great games to play. And uh, this week I'm taking a bit of a different approach. We've covered over the last few weeks that, you know, career trajectories. We're getting a pretty niche, pretty odd names here and there. Uh, we're challenging each other. Aiden hit me with the uh, with a variation of the finish that trade game last week. And I promised at the end of the episode that, you know, I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd let him flex his draft muscles this week. Ooh. And so I'm coming in with three different games. The first one, just to warm him up is a career trajectory just before we get him into the draft stuff. So are we following, uh, are we following easy, medium, hard, or is this just a crapshoot? This is just a complete crapshoot. It's all. All right, let's go. (laughs) So this player for this first game, career trajectory uh, played from 2002 to 2014. Uh, Career went Montreal, Toronto, Carolina. Done. I was like panicking because I forgot to like start typing the teams. (laughs) It's like, okay, no, it's three. Okay, 02 to 14, Montreal, Toronto, Carolina. Yep. And this is a player I very, very clearly remember. Um, I already know the hint to give you if if it comes to that. How are we feeling so far? How are the gears turning? Uh, This part will have been edited, but Aiden's been sitting there for approximately two minutes now. And uh, through on because I can see him on video, I've watched him look up at his roof a few times, look down, kind of confident a few times, look to the left now, not too sure, trying to figure out what to think, what to say. Yeah, you you encapsulated it. I'm just I'm sitting here just I got a bunch of names running through my head. I I'm just trying to think of that. And again, it might be. You know, like what <laughs> what sucks is based on the based on the like <laughs> based on the teams and then the order. I'm I'm just assuming that uh, the the guy would have been a hab before I was too invested. He would have been a leaf when they were bad, and then a hurricane when they were bad, right? Like so, there's no like the so there's no like playoff run for me to cling to, right? Because anything pre 2014 ish. I'm going to have a specific memory of a player because of something like a playoff run. Right. Yeah. Um, and if, if it was just a guy that bounced around the Toronto Maple Leafs when they were awful. And then subsequently the, the Carolina hurricanes when they were much better, right. That's going to, that, that's where I'm running into is just trying to think of those random rosters without having like a, a playoff to, 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 to have to just for reference. Totally. Totally. And, uh, yeah, like I said, this one was a bit of a crapshoot. Not a not an easy, medium, hard by any means. Honestly, I have no idea which ones of these are going to be easy and which ones will be hard. It's uh, it's a bit all over the place. It's just it's funny that you said uh, it's funny that you said 
Joe Corvo at one point because I was just trying to think of like his <laughs> Hurricanes teams too. But I think I think he was pre whoever this is gonna be. I gotta ask, would you like your hint? I don't know. It's it's easy to say no on the easy medium hards because I uh like I I you know I know that there's a harder question coming. It's it's hard on this one. Well, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to say that because the other two are draft focused in your time watching hockey. Okay, I've got somebody. I gotta say, like, I've literally no recollection of this guy being a Hab, um, but I know he was a Leaf. I remember him one hundred percent as a Leaf, and I know he at least was a Hurricane. Eventually, I just don't think his career ended in twenty fourteen, and I'm pretty sure he was a Colorado Avalanche. John Michael Lyles. No, not no. that one. Because he he was an Av, right? He was an Av for the most part. Okay, because I remember him being a Leaf and a Hurricane. He was, but... uh, he was an Av for quite a while, and then he was a Leaf and uh, uh, stints in Boston and Carolina as well, and I believe a return to Colorado briefly. Yeah, okay. Who was it? You want your hint or no? I just got it wrong, bro. Oh, don't we usually give you two guesses? Do we? Oh, I didn't. Okay. Are you are you admitting defeat on this one? Well, no, 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 because I just have to I have to regroup then. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought, Would you I, thought like I had to regroup with a hint. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, after a fairly successful chunk of time with the Montreal Canadiens and uh, and being a role player with them, a, a fairly dominant role player, not necessarily in points, but doing doing his job and playing a lot of minutes. This player ended up in Toronto where coaching staff tried to convert him to a power play anchor and uh, he was much maligned for not being able to do that. Uh, spent a decent amount of years in Toronto uh, getting paid a decent amount before ending his career in Carolina. Like I know I, I know who you're talking about, man. I just oh man. Part of some pretty bad Bill Kessel, Joffrey Lupel, Tyler Bozak led Leafs teams. Yeah. And Dion Phaneuf. Can't forget him. It was Mike Komisarek? That's the guy. Yeah. No, I remember I remember him being I remember him almost being like a scapegoat. Like he he oh yeah. People just love to people love to to crap on him in Toronto and yeah, he was just a guy in Montreal. And I remember like him being like on I remember having like hockey news yearbooks where they had him like on the depth chart, like beside Fanuf on the top pair. Like <laughs> that uh, I don't know why this just reminded me, but uh there was an Austin Matthews interview, I believe, about how uh one time Justin Bieber called him after a game and he's like, you know what we really need? We really, really need a Brian McCabe type. We really need a Brian McCabe on this Leafs team. And uh, Matthews joked about how it's really funny because like Justin Bieber, one of the biggest stars in the world, uh, just calls him like a family member that's a hockey fan and just like just throws in his input, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. Right. I, I, I thought I thought Justin Bieber was going to say we need a Mike Commissaric, which would have been hilarious. That's what this reminded me of. And I'm yeah. surprised he didn't because that would, that would be hilarious. What a line. OK, next. All right. So uh, next piece. 
Uh, I need you to name three players the Vancouver Canucks selected in the 2013 NHL entry draft. Okay. Uh, Bo Horvat. Yep. Hunter Shinkarak. Uh-huh. And now we struggle. <laughs> now we struggle. There's two that I think you're going to be able to name. Cole Cassells? Yes, Cole Castles, son of yeah. Andrew Castles. Yeah. I thought you were either going to name him or Jordan Subban. Jordan Subban. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. Okay. I was, uh, I was thinking of going 2014, but I was like, he can name five. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, 2014 was a, yeah. Vertanen, McCann, Demko, Triamkin, Forsling. I was like, he's going to get yeah. all of them. Yeah, yeah, I think I would have. <laughs> all right. So, this one. This one is fun. I really like this one. Um, this one, I don't know if this is beyond your expertise. Um, I need you. So the draft is the 2014 NHL entry draft. This is a loaded one. Like you have to do a bunch of stuff. And so you're gonna want you're gonna you're gonna want to bust out the pen and paper. Okay, that's my notes application on my computer. But here so we go. it's the 2014 NHL entry draft. I need you to name two players from the second round, three players from the third round, and one player from the fourth round. This is such a weird question, man. <laughs> two players from the second round, three from the third round, and one from the fourth round. Okay, well, I would have gotten him even if he didn't just hand him to me on a platter, but Thadger Demko in the second. Okay. Uh, so I'll I'll even just write that. Okay, Demko. <laughs> um, 2014 round two. I know Pasternak was a late first rounder. Mm-hmm. Um... I have to say this draft is absolutely loaded. Just so many NHLers and even like fringe guys who I thought were going to make it as well. Yeah. Round three, 2014. You still got to get another from round two. I know, I know, I know, I know. California, California dream. Does that song help you think? It, it's relaxing. It relaxes yeah, me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I like that song a lot. It, no. That's another one of those, like, I have, there, yeah, it, it, there's weirdly famous songs that I guess just I missed, right? Or my dad showed me at a time where I wasn't ready to embrace good music. And um and I just forget about and and then I'm listening to like years later. I'm like, holy crap, this is like amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Patrick Kane, power play goal for the rags. Love to see it. Uh Braden Point was a third rounder, right? Correct. Yeah. So you got you you have to get one more second rounder, two more third rounders, and a fourth rounder. Okay, you know what's frustrating, and I'm not mad at you or anything, is the fourth rounder because I know two goalies, Igor Shestyrkin and Elias Sorokin, both went late in this draft. I just don't know A, if one of them was a fourth rounder, and B, if it's only one, I don't know which one it is, but I know they both <laughs> went. They both went in the fourth round or later, but I don't know specifically about the fourth round. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm quite sure it's one of them. And I'm leaning Shesterkin. Um I don't I'll I'll leave that to the end so I at least like fill out the rest of this question. 
before I if I before I swing and miss on something I'm not super confident with. Um, and I got to ask as you're working on this, uh, with your level of draft expertise as we've covered, is this question easy, medium, or hard? I'm gonna say this is like. I'm gonna say this is medium. Okay, I thought so. But it's definitely so. I didn't think it's, he was pushing it. it. No, it's definitely on the hard side of medium though. Because it's so many names. It's so many names, and then it's back to the like I you know, like I I again I, I know Shesterkin and Sorokin were late, right? And I just I don't know if either of them, both of them, or neither of them were specifically in the fourth round. Mm. Um uh, I know there was another goalie picked right after Demko because I remember at the time thinking something to the effect of, I think we got the better one. Um, and I think on that a good track. There were a was... lot of NHL goalies in this draft. Yes. No, I remember that too, because I, I, I've done like, <laughs> I've done redrafts for fun with a buddy, whatever. And I, I remember this draft being goalie heavy. Was it Nadelkovic? Correct. That's round two. You're dealt with. Okay. Cool. I'll delete that. So I have two more third rounders besides point and then one fourth rounder. I'm just staring at point's name right now, trying to like think of who would have gone around him. Do I even remember at the time liking point when he was playing for Moose Jaw? It's like, yep. <laughs> oh, where did Vancouver pick Triamkin? I think that was a third rounder too, hey? Correct. Yeah, okay. And I gave you that one earlier. Yeah, yeah. That was that that helped. That helped. So I you need one more exactly. third rounder and then you need a fourth rounder. Oh, dude. By the way, if you were to ask me this question, I would be able to say, yeah, all these players went in the draft, but I have no idea where yeah. this round. Okay. I'm Shesterkin was a fourth rounder, right? Correct. Okay, this this is hard, man. I don't know if I'm even gonna be able to do this. Like I, I already used my hand, didn't I? Yeah, I did. It was not Gustav Forsling. I know that. <laughs> Correct. Not uh, Gustav Forsling. Yeah, he was. He was like late. Not like late. Yeah, it was late. Okay, I gotta guess. Let's hear it. Kevin LeBanc. Uh no, he was not in the third round. Okay. You get to get one since there were so many players, you can get one more wrong. I get one more wrong. Okay. Can we get a fact check on when LeBanc? Not that I I believe he was not in the third round. I was just like when was LeBanc drafted? Because I want to know if I even got the year right, because he was he was kind of a random late bloomer too. He was a sixth rounder. In that year? Yeah. Okay, interesting. I'm just looking at all these third rounders and like, damn, a lot of them played in the NHL. Man, I. Am I missing a superstar? Like. You're missing a couple good players. Yeah. I wouldn't put the superstar label on any of them. Maybe, maybe one of them on the fringes of it. Seriously. Like, if Braden points a superstar, then this other player is. Okay, okay. Well, I was pretty sure Sorokin was after Shesterkin is all. 
because they they made up they made up the Russian goaltending duo in the 2015 World Juniors. That's right. And Shesterkin was the starter, and I thought I remember him like being the better prospect and being picked higher. But I don't know. Like I know Sorokin went in that draft, but um, again, like I it, it's struggling with round and. Okay, I got one. It's not Sorokin. Maybe it should be Victor Arvidsson. No. Oh my God, I was confident with that. <laughs> That's your last one. You can get wrong. Yeah, I'm out. Was he a third rounder like the year before? No, no, no. I told you you can get one more wrong. So if you get oh really one, oh okay, you're still alive. Oh, I thought um, I thought you meant as in like I got one wrong on question one, and then that. Was my last strike the? Oh no no the you're, good. you're good. You're good. Okay, all right. Then I'm going with Sorokin because I have literally nothing else in yep. my head. He was a third rounder. He was a third rounder. Okay, I I I said that out loud thinking that was wrong. I was trying to keep my poker face going. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I just want to bring up this third round. List some of the players. Just everyone who's played in the NHL or at least looked like they have were on the fringes of it. Goaltender Jonas Johansson. Sure. Dominic Turgeon. Yuho Lamico, Nikita Triamkin, Warren Fogel, Renat Valiev, Elvis Merzlikens, Ilya Sorokin, Braden Point, Louis Belpedio, Jake Wallman, Mark Friedman, Nathan Walker, Micah Matteo. That's a sick third round. That's half That's a so bad. That's so bad. Well, I think uh, I think you did pretty good. I think you did pretty good considering the mishmash. Yeah, it was tough, but you came out alive. You technically got all three correct. You Where was to... Arvidsson? Where was Arvidsson? Victor Arvidsson was... Was he that? I don't even know if he was that draft. Fourth round. In 14? Yeah. Okay, interesting. So I could have set um, him for my fourth rounder. but. <laughs> so just before we go, one thing I want to bring up. Uh, so we, we've said before, uh, early, early on, haven't really talked about it much because I, I, uh, I like to keep it pretty separate, but... I uh, I work at City News in Vancouver, and uh, in my time, two fairly established people have left. Uh, one of them uh, early on, like my second week there, uh, he finishes two weeks, moved on to different things. And uh, just this past week, a uh, couple days ago, Tuesday, I had my last day with, uh, I won't name the person, but a, a fairly established uh, person in the radio uh, news radio industry someone who had been a part of it for 13 years and uh, just a very, very good, hardworking person uh, that I learned from over my time there. I've been there for just over three months now. And um, I just want to say for anyone, anyone in in life who starting a new career, uh, getting their feet wet in an industry that, uh, say, you came out of school, you fell into, you walked into, whatever, um, I, I just want to say, with those established people, you never know when they're going to move on to different things, whether they're changing industries, uh, different uh, approaches in life. So I really, really just want to stress the importance of take everything you can, uh, learning, knowledge, uh, experience, work ethic-wise from these people. Because uh, as this guy was leaving and I was shaking his hand, um, I was really, really thankful for those times that he pushed me to uh, work harder. He, he uh, when, when he mentioned, all right, let's chase this. Let's, let's work on this. Um, when he said, all right, what are we working on? When he said, oh God, I think this is big. Uh, any of those things. 
um, as I was shaking his hand, I was just very, very thankful for my time with him and, and looking forward down the line, if I'm still in this industry 10 years down the road, those are things that I hope to be able to emulate for people coming into the fold, for people walking into that door for the first time. And yeah, I just really want to stress the importance of take those lessons and, uh, and really, really cherish those. And, and yeah, that's, uh, really, really all I have to say on that, but Aiden, I, I know uh, for you, you've encountered people who have been uh, in whatever uh, industry you've come across uh, when uh, in junior hockey. Um, like you, you, you call games with Mike Moeller. That's pretty cool. That's uh, that's something that I'm sure you you take a bit from. So I uh, I think I think it's something pretty important that people should take into account as they go into work every day. It's a good way to end it. Well, thanks everyone. That was episode seventeen. Catch you guys all next week. Enjoy some hockey as we're all uh, all getting into that final push towards playoffs. And, uh, yeah, cheers, guys. Let's roll that outro.